Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So, what's going to do it for you? What's going to do it for you? Any idea? The, the what uh, what vision, what dream of your future would get you excited about where your life is going? What would that look like if you were to daydream, just daydream a future for yourself where you're doing exactly what you want and you're super authentic to yourself? Your heart and your mouth are are connected as one and there's no editing. What are you doing? What are you doing? What would do it for you? What vision of your future would really get you excited? Now, don't settle for any rookie number crap. Most egos, when questioned, offer like 0.1% of their capacity in, in what their lives could be. In other words, we're suffering from ego overdose. And if 100% of our thoughts are executed by our ego, then our heart and our soul sucks at having say, having any kind of sway in our day-to-day life. I've shared on the show when I wrote my first book, it took me six years because my ego was arguing the whole time. Why the hell we're writing a book? Do you want to remind me again? I'm a little kid from Utah. What the hell am I writing books for? My ego is getting in the way. And that's why the percentage would be 0.1%. The ego's just doing this mental masturbation crap that has no cadence or stride to it at all towards a vision that could totally honor who, who you could be if you taught your ego to chill the hell out, calm down, calm down, calm down. Now listen to your heart and your soul. And when they feed you inspiration, your ego sucks at vetting it. Your ego has no business vetting. Sure, your ego can say, become a screenplay writer in New York I can't move right now. That's correct, because how would you pay your bills when you get to New York? The ego has a role, but the overall vision can't be questioned by the ego without the ego buggering it up because the ego cannot think in the nonlinear realm of your higher consciousness, your 5D consciousness, nonlinear thinking. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is healing that connection, teaching your ego, whoa, wait, you're showing me a vision of my life where I'm doing this and this and this, and I'm just getting started? How cool is that? What would would do it for you? What, What would do it for you? What would that look like? We got a a really powerful show tonight because you're really powerful. You, the listener, are really powerful, and the power comes from your heart and your soul much more than your ego. And we're going we're to talk about healing that bri- and making a bridge, a connection, um, a harmonious union between your ego and your heart and your soul, if that makes sense. I think we should get to it because our guest tonight... Our guest tonight rocks in a very unique way. Tonight, speaking in the two microphones, between me and her, there'll be over a quarter century experience of podcast hosting on this show tonight live right now. Between my guest and I, we have over 25 years experience doing podcasts. So I want to just say kudos, hats off to that. Um, Let's get to it. The topic tonight is, what are your dreams trying to tell you? 
And our guest tonight is Samantha Faye. Dreams are capable of causing immense insights and creative bursts, bringing messages from loved ones and having tremendous healing potential. In her book, The Awakened Dreamer, you can learn the power of your dreams and how to guide them. In in the world of dreams, inventors have discovered techniques to solve problems. Scientists have conjured new medicines to heal the sick. Artists have created poetry, plays, and songs. Many people have reported being visited by loved ones in heaven. That happened to me with me and my mom to bring messages of healing or warnings to prevent an upcoming disaster. Stories of precognitive dreams, some filled with wonder and hope, while others foretell impending misfortunes, have been recorded for centuries. In The Awakened Dreamer, the book we're going to talk about tonight, you'll learn how to utilize the dream state to expand your consciousness. Bravo to that. Reach out to loved ones in heaven and use your sleep state to fully recognize your soul's potential. Yes! The Awakened Dreamer comprises stories, research, exercises, and techniques designed to show a whole new side of what it means to dream, a whole new side of what it means to be you. Samantha is the author of The Awakened Dreamer, Lucid Dreaming, also, Astral Travel and Mastering the Dreamscape, which explores the concept of soul travel through dreaming. She co-hosts two popular podcasts, Psychic Teachers and Enlightened Empaths, both of which listeners teach listeners how to embrace and celebrate their spiritual journey. She has advanced degrees in edu- education and is a Reiki master who writes and teaches all over the world about dreaming, Reiki, crystals, and intuition. You can learn more about her at samanthafay.com. Finally, join me in welcoming Samantha to the show. Welcome to the show, Samantha. Thanks for having me, Les. I'm happy to be here. What a, what a delightful book you've written, The Awakened Dreamer, A Guide to Lucid Dreaming, astral travel and mastering the dreamscape it it seems like humanity is bumping up against this aspect of our human persona and you've written a very timely book to talk about what how lucid dreaming can be experienced from our rookie brains that have never had the experience and and how that landscape can look what what brought you about to write a book like this Well, I've just always had very powerful dream experiences and most of my intuition, especially early on, appeared in my in my dream time. And so I started researching more about it and I remember reading in Stephen LaBerge's book on lucid dreaming how we spend thirty percent of our lives sleeping and so we might as well try to be conscious during that time (laughs) and partake of all the gifts available then too. Right. So I have just always been fascinated by the world of dreams and on my podcast as you mentioned I started sharing a lot of my dream stories and lo and behold listeners started sending me their dream stories and reading through their experiences of meeting with loved ones who had passed on or having precognitive experiences or encountering their guides and angels in a dream I started to realize I wasn't alone in my quote-unquote weird dream experiences and that something really magical is happening when we close our eyes. Very nice. Well, the idea of the, the there's a dream world and we're participating in it for a third of our lives. And that's a very substantial part of our uh, persona or our consciousness. Um And yet our egos don't really spend any time there per se, and that's what your book is talking about, to to look at the modality, the um, 
you know, the platform, the stage, so to speak, that the dream world presents to us and then how to interpret that. I know a lot of times people think that their dreams are are crazy because there's so much symbolism in it. And if you don't know how to interpret the symbolism, how do you decode the message? Right. Well, I do think that the majority of our dreams are just the way for our brain to process stress or anxiety or worries and and just to filter out the day so that we can truly rest, relax, and recharge. And so the book isn't really so much what does it mean if you dream of unicorns because I think there's plenty (laughs) of books out there for that. What I was really interested in are those one or two dreams maybe you have a month or if you're lucky each week where it feels very, very different. It doesn't feel like a typical dream where you're in a different location or you're having a shared dream experience or you have a recurring dream and then it later comes true. And starting to research all of those experiences that have happened to all of us throughout time and across cultures and religions, I really do feel that many times when we're sleeping and our ego is at rest and our body is at rest and our defenses are down in terms of, you know, work and worry and getting things done, I do think sometimes our soul is allowed free reign to travel and we're able to maybe visit with people on the other side or go visit someone here on earth who's having trouble and and maybe just comfort them. And, And so just collecting these stories made me really realize that something more is going on. And so I think often dreams can be a form of astral travel or soul travel. Well, very nice. It reminds me of when my mother passed away and she died of cancer. And it it had been quite a while after weeks and weeks had gone by and I hadn't really got myself back together and an old friend would call and I'd start bawling my head off. And I had a dream where the family was gathered around mom and I was sitting to her side with my hand on her leg and she picked up my hand and she had that clammy skin in the last years and she gave me a squeeze and I, boy, could I feel her skin. It was exactly that. That, And then she put my hand back down, but she put it on my leg instead of her leg. Like, you know, you got stuff to do. You can't sit here and fret about me all this time. So I, um, what you're talking about can be very healing. Oh, completely. And thank you for sharing that. That is such a beautiful gift, such a mark of the love between you two when they are able to come through in a dream like that. It it can be hard for loved ones to visit us in a dream. From everything I read and have experienced myself, if we're grieving too much, if we're not sleeping, if we're crying all the time and truly missing them, you might think, well, that's when you should have a dream visit with your loved one. But our grief can often present a barrier for them to come through in our dreams. And so I always tell people our loved ones want to come and visit us in our dreams, but sometimes the timing has to be right. And so if someone's listening to this and they're like, well, why did he get a dream visit with my mom and I didn't? You can always tell your loved one just when you're meditating or praying, you know, hey, mom or dad or or whoever it is you want to connect with, I would love to have you visit me in a dream. And if if my grief or sadness is putting up a barrier, please know you can visit and, and mention someone you two have in common, your cousin or a mutual friend, because often it's easier for them to get through to someone who isn't grieving as strongly. I just right. think that's important to mention because so many times people hear these wonderful, magical stories and they're like, well, that's never, how come that hasn't happened to me? And, right. and I just want people to know it can and it will. It just takes time. Well, I don't want to let my mom off the hook too soon. She was just playing the sympathy card. What she really wanted to know is that since she's passed now, maybe, just maybe, I'd tell her where I hid the chocolate. And I'm like, hell no. You you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you know. um, Well, the... A lot of times our angels or loved ones are watching us live our lives and 
oftentimes we're not uh, we're here to learn it's not like there's a fault like there's uh somehow we did it wrong there's not a judgment thing to it but we can kind of lose focus of our potential and kind of quagmire maybe an addiction or boredom or mental distraction and our guides and our loved ones that are watching us kind of slip away into the numbness of the couch, um, they can be the perfect ones to say, uh, hello, um, you know, you love to ride your motorcycle and it's sitting in the garage and it's a beautiful day. You could get off your ass and go for a ride. Uh, well, I don't know how your angels talk to you, but I'm I'm thinking there might be a little whiskey getting passed around up there. <laughs> Possibly, but yeah, if you if you have a question or a problem that you're worried about, one thing I did discover in my research that has really stayed with me is that the subconscious mind cannot abide an unanswerable question. So if you are really thinking about something like, where have my guides gone, or what is my sole purpose, or what the heck am I supposed to do now? and you're ruminating on it and praying about it, if you write it down, that's even more helpful. But your subconscious will spend the dream state seeking out an answer for you. Again, it takes time. It's not like anyone listening to this can go, oh, I'd like to go to bed tonight and have a dream about my sole purpose. It usually takes about two weeks of really intending and asking for that dream experience for it to come to fruition, but it, it will. Because what wow. we do during the day is reflected in our dream state. Right. Well, this book is so timely. We've had several um, guests on talking about the dream and asking questions of our dreams. And, and you just uh, reaffirm that. Um, I really like your book in that um, you go through the the elements in the realm um, in the dream state and and you'll bump up against that aspect of quote reality unquote and your mind might not know how to piece it together into a bigger picture that makes enough sense for the the mind to relax about it and so your book does a, a delightful job at walking the reader through kind of the landscape of of the nature of the dreamer. What kind of uh, feedback or questions did you get from readers? Feedback I've gotten really hasn't been questions. It's been more wonderful, fascinating stories. I've been getting a lot of stories of people who have had shared dream experiences where they will dream that they're somewhere and they'll tell a friend the next day, oh, I had a dream and I was at this place and you were there. And the friend will say, I had the same dream last night. So I'm getting a lot of really fascinating stories. I just got an email this morning from someone who was talking about how her, when her mother was um, in the process of dying, she had a dream where her mother came to her and said, they're, they're telling me it's time to go, and I don't want to go. I don't, I don't want to leave you. And the person sending the email said that she, very similar to you, held her mother's hands and, and you know, really felt her hands in her own and said, it's okay. It's okay. You can go. We will be fine. And she was woken up by the phone ringing, and it was the hospital calling to say her mother had passed just then so she felt as though that was a real visitation soul to soul right. and that yep. her mother just needed kind of that extra permission so that's kind of what um what i've been getting in terms of feedback and and i love it because i love i love stories of dreams you know and, and i think it's another reason why i wrote the book because as a kid i always had very vivid dreams and when we'd be sitting around the breakfast table i'd say you'll never believe what i dreamed last night and everyone would kind of roll their eyes like, oh, here she goes again. And I've learned <laughs> most people don't want to talk about their dreams. You know, they don't, or they don't want to listen to other people's dreams. And so I think it's nice to have resources like this where hopefully readers can look at it and go, me too, me too. I'm not the only one. 
Well, the yeah, I mean, you're you're like I said in the intro, you're healing the bridge between your ego and a whole different level of consciousness in your persona. There's a there's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of um, insight. Uh, an oracle or sage or or a muse or whatever of possibilities of what your life could look like. And so, I mean, anytime you go messing around with a human persona like you and me and all the listeners, that's powerful stuff. And so to to teach your ego to heal your relationship with um, the wisdom that's available through the medium of your dreams, bravo, home run, way to, way to go. Well, I do think it's important to embrace all aspects of our life here, body, mind, and soul, and to focus on everything that we can do to, to live up to our potential. And, you know, I don't, I don't think the ego is necessarily our enemy. Like, I don't know if I would have written a book if I didn't have a little bit of an ego, right? Like, sure. I think we, yeah. we need a little bit of it to kind of push us and get us going. But I think that, Ultimately, the ego is like the the, the front of me. <laughs> Sometimes well, it's the, your friend. And... The, well, the enlightened ego has taken the steering wheel off the car. Quit trying to figure out your life from a solely ego perspective and handing the steering wheel up to your heart and your soul. And they say, start taking, making a left turn. And you're like, what? And they're like, just do it. Because you've, you've drifted off the interstate and you're in a 69 Impala and you're mowing down Joshua trees going cross country across the desert. You're, and, and your heart and your soul know where the freeway is. They're like head left. <laughs> and, and, and that right there is a gift because everything in your life starts moving into more and more of a harmonious nature of why you're here on earth, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I think that we can we can get these insights when we are meditating or in prayer, which which I think is wonderful. But a lot of people don't have time for that or they don't like to meditate or they're just busy and, and going from one thing to the next. And so engaging our dream state from a more conscious level enables us to get that guidance. You know, I right. include a story in the book what I was really resisting meditation. I just did not want to do it. I'm a go, go, go person. And I had this dream where I was walking through the woods and there was this beautiful clearing and in front of me was this huge, elaborate, ginormous, gorgeous tree. And I just knew it was the tree of life. Old little man walked up to me and he said, would you like to know a secret shortcut to the tree of life? And I was like, oh, yes, yes, please. And in my mind, in the dream, I'm thinking, I knew it. I knew there was an easier way to, you know, get away from meditation. And so I'm happily following this man around to the back of the tree of life. And he he starts to push away some of the uh, vines and ivy that have grown up around its huge base. And then he shook his head and he said, no, no. If you think there's a shortcut to the tree of life, you're not ready. That was right. very impactful to me, and I started to meditate. <laughs> wow, right. You can't shortcut the journey by skipping the practices or exercise. No, definitely not. You've got to sit down and, and do the work, and you've got to take the messages that are waiting for you in your soul, whether it's in meditation or in dreams and act on them. I think that's really, really key. You know that famous old joke about the guy who um, goes to church and he's complaining to God, like, why haven't you ever given me anything? Why won't you let me buy a lottery ticket? I'm praying all the time to win, win, win. And and God says, you got to buy a ticket. (laughs) 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 It's like that. You, You can be given the help, but then we have to act on it. Yeah. And, you know, the, the the metaphor of of not paying attention to that kind of information, I mean, go buy a ticket. I, th- I think a lot of times we get stuck staring at the next step. 
So, you know, if you're going to build a house, you're probably going to need a foundation so you can have something to put on it. And if you don't have a foundation, you can think about building a house all you want. And we'll sit in our in our busy mind and our heart and our soul are showing us a foundation. And we're like, yeah, okay, but what should I be doing? And it's like a foundation. Yeah, I know, but what should I be doing? And it's like, no, no, no a foundation and, and we kind of hold the next step at arm's length because we don't know how to execute that because we've never done it before. And until we take that step and bring it into physical form, bring it into the physical, the next step can't happen. Does that make sense? No. And you know, it does. The, um, the ancient Romans, had a legend about Lady Fortuna, the the goddess of fortune. And they said that she would sit atop her mountain and listen to all the requests for help and and insight and and instruction on what to do next. And the legend was that she would never act to answer any of those requests until the person took the first leap of faith, the first step, and then she would intervene with help. And I think that too is also so instructive because Often we won't see the next step, as Martin Luther King Jr. would say. We, we won't see the next step, but we still have to have trust and faith and, and just move forward in the right direction that we know. And sometimes when we're moving in the wrong direction, our dreams will let us know that too. And we just have to be aware of them and really work consciously to recall them. And so luckily, you know, in the book, I have a whole chapter devoted just to how to remember your dreams and how to how to consciously interact with them so that you can get this guidance. I don't think we're ever alone. You know, we always hear that adage, you fall alone and you die alone, which is such a sad way to go through life. I don't believe we are ever alone. I do think our guides and our angels and our loved ones who have gone before us always with us, but we can't see it. They're like our invisible helpers. And when our when we're dreaming and sleeping, very often that's the easiest time for them to interact with us and give us these little insights. And sure, sometimes they come through with symbolic dreams, like the tree of life dream I had, but very often they come through much more literally. I had a dream experience where my mother-in-law visited me about five years after she had passed, and she warned me that I was going to have a health crisis, but I would be okay. And it all came to pass very shortly after that dream, and she was right. I did have a health crisis, but I am okay. And so I think it's it's just very comforting to also realize that our dreams can really validate for us that we're never alone. Nice. I like that. Um, well, the the rapport that we have with our dreams, I mean, to... Uh, take the notion of asking our dreams to answer a question. Um, if if I'm if I don't give that a second thought, and then right before bed I'm like, I want to have a dream to tell me whether I should or shouldn't move to Chicago, and then expect to have a dream about what that sentence was. It takes a little back and forth, doesn't it, to kind of build up a rapport? I mean, write it down, um, you know, kind of prime the pump, so to speak, um, anchor it in your consciousness. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Something I recommend in the book is write your question down and tuck it under your pillow. And then every night before you fall asleep, read that question again. And within two weeks, you should have an answer. Now, it might not come in a dream. Usually it will. But very often what will happen is you'll be in the shower getting ready for work and the answer will just pop into your head. Or you'll be driving to work and a friend will call you and and set you up with the right network you need to get to Chicago. So sometimes it's not always in the dream state or we might not remember the dream that our guides have given us, but it will be popped into our consciousness at some point during the daytime. So, again, it's about being more aware and conscious as you go throughout your day. But I do think it's important for people to realize, as I was saying before, whatever you're focused on in the day is going to show up in your dreams. 
So if you're going through an incredibly stressful, busy time of your life, you are, we always dream, even if we don't remember them. It doesn't mean you don't dream. Science has proven that. We, we dream every single night. But we won't remember our dreams if we're very, very stressed out. It has to do with the cortisol function in our brain. If you're releasing too much cortisol during the day, it's going to inhibit your ability to recall your dreams in the morning. So don't be hard on yourself if you're going through a really stressful time. And I think, you know, since 2020 with all the lockdowns and now we're getting back to normal, it still feels very stressful and unbalanced for many people. And so if you want to remember your dreams, you have to try very hard to have more of a calm day as much as you can. I mean, it's not always easy for everyone, right? But you can at least at least plan on the weekends. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have two days this week where I'm not working. I'm not, the house can collect dust today. I'm just going to relax and put my feet up and rest and recharge. And I can almost guarantee you, if you do that, you will start to have better dream recall. Nice. Well, the, one of the attributes of the ego is the critical mind. And, you know, uh, sometimes we can get a message to do something and we don't experience the outcome we expect. Perhaps that could be why um, it could be from not understanding the information correctly and making uh, uh, judgment or um project a reason for it that's not compatible with the real reason. So if you can get information from your dreams and take action on it and seemingly, quote, seemingly, unquote, nothing happens. And the ego can say, well, that didn't work. Why am I doing this? I'm spinning my wheels. And then on the flip side of it, it can give you steps to take that seem irrational to what you're doing. So maybe the inspiration at the sink is you're going to be a screenplay writer, but the next step is volunteer at the homeless shelter. And you're like, what? That that doesn't, what does that have to do with anything? And unbeknownst to you, seeing the human condition at the homeless shelter changes the writing of your screenplay Or maybe a retired screenplay writer volunteers there, too, and you can bump up against them. So to have the ego vet the value, purpose, or outcome can be a bit of a folly, don't you think? Definitely. And I think it's it's important to also accept sometimes what the dream is giving you because often the answer is not now. And I think sometimes people reject that as well. Or sometimes it's not so much what should I do right now. Sometimes it's what should I let go of right now, what's blocking me right now. And I think dreams are a wonderful insight into that. And when we can become awake and aware in our dreams, that really does help us recognize some of those blocks and challenges we're going through. And often it's it's connected to uh, family and, and loved ones you know, I include in the book stories of of our loved ones coming to us in dreams asking for help for themselves. You know, I have a story in there of my grandmother who passed away years ago, and she came to me in a dream and said she was having a hard time with her life review process and needed our prayers. And so I asked my family to, to pray for her, and so we all we all did. We all prayed very hard for Grammy and that she would have some healing. And she came back in a dream, and she looked completely different. She looked younger and was glowing and smiling, and she said, thank you, the prayers worked. And then she just dissolved in a tube of light. So I think also working with our dreams can not only help us now, but we can use them to help people who have gone before us as well. It's it's a two-way street. Very nice. Well, you've written a book about dreaming, and you've gotten feedback from the public about dreaming. What are some aspects about dreaming that you think might be elusive to understand or people might not be aware of? 
Well, I think there's so many aspects to it. You know, I mean, Emanuel Swedenborg had dreams where he was given tours of the other side and he was shown different levels of what awaits us when we die. And this was in a time when, you know, he was he was alive in the 1700s when we only believed in heaven, hell, and purgatory. And he was shown that there are many, many, many levels. He compared it to the many mansions that, that Jesus refers to in the Bible. And I think it's very interesting to think about all the stories of people who have visited these different levels on the other side. And so I think that's a fascinating aspect to to think about. The idea of precognitive dreams. I've had so many dreams that have later come true and and I include many, many well-known cases of famous people who have had precognitive dreams. What does that tell us about the past, present, and future? Is it all happening right now? I have a whole chapter on, on past life dreams, people who have had dreams of their past lives that have helped them heal health issues in their current life. How does that work? I, I don't know, but the stories give validity to the, to the theory. I have a story well, in there of a friend of mine. Go ahead. The way it works is that um, the karmic situation they're in in their past life, where you go back to visit them, they have unresolved energy in their psyche. Maybe they're holding anger or bitterness, or maybe they're the the king is punishing them and locked them in the sewer after poking a hundred holes in their body and letting them rot for six months before they die. And uh, what I'm describing is really intense psychological situations to be in in past lives, very difficult, challenging situations. And when you die, if you haven't processed that, that energy is stagnant in your karmic field, and then when you go back and connect to it, you can dissipate it and uh, remove the energetic imprint of the karma of that moment down to null or zero, and that frees you in your current life from having that stigma karmically imprinted in your subconscious. I hope that helps. No, it does. I I mean more physically. So the story I was going to tell was by... um, No, no, by... One of my friends was um, having infertility issues, and, you know, the doctor said you most likely will never get pregnant on your own, and so she she and her husband had done two or three rounds of IVF, and it was not working. And so she was really, really praying on it and focusing on why is this happening and what can I do now, and she had a dream where she remembered a past life where she was part of, uh, like, a harem she was a concubine and every time she would have a a baby they would take the baby so she could continue being this concubine to this emperor right she realized that she wasn't getting pregnant because she had this fear and within two or three months of that dream she got pregnant on her own and the doctors couldn't explain it i mean it's you know you, you show that to a scientist i mean how how does that happen i just find that so intriguing. No kidding. And and to have that kind of a, I mean, she had that stigma of trying to get pregnant, and it's related to this past life episode thing. And, and then to finally connect the dots and get it released, and then that option comes back online. How, how powerful. I mean, it's changing the outcome of your life. All of a sudden you have kids. Don't do it. Don't have kids. They grow up. Oh, my God. Oh, wait a minute. In the subtitle oh, of your book, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I have a sense of humor. <laughs> a guide to lucid. This is the subtitle of your book. A guide to lucid dreaming, astral travel, and mastering the dreamscape. Now, if somebody in our audience hasn't heard about astral travel, how would you describe it? Astral travel is this concept that either spontaneously or on purpose, you can, your soul can leave the body and travel to other realms. I think the most famous case of astral travel has to be Robert Monroe and his book, Journeys Out of the Body, 
but there are several other people, obviously, who are able to do this consciously at will through through meditation and focused concentration. But what I'm writing about in, in the book is this concept that very often our soul leaves our body and it's unconscious astral travel. You know, we're not consciously breathing right. it. And I think sometimes, have you ever had that feeling where you fall asleep and then a minute later you jerk awake and you, the whole, it's called a hypnagogic jerk. You like just bolt awake. I Sitting think that's often our soul kind of, <laughs> oh, well, that's another time. But I think that can be our soul kind of popping back into our body. Nice. Well, yeah, so there's, I remember the story I shared with you before the show started. Should I share that now? Yes. Yes, I think so. So, so I I'll make it quick. I only had like 45 minutes to drop my kid off at at soccer and like pick us up in an hour or whatever. So I drove back home and I lay down the bed. I go out like a light, like a fry pan across the forehead. And um 45 minutes later, my phone rings and I wake up and I tell you what, I had 0% awareness of who I was, what city I was in, if I had kids or not, if I did have kids, what are their names? Because I, the phone rings and I'm trying to talk to my daughter and I'm trying to think of her name. And the first two names I came up with were totally wrong. I had no kids with those names. And so I'm talking to my daughter, trying to figure out who are you. I guess I'm the dad. You're asking me for a ride. You assume I know where soccer is. Okay, I'll be on my way. And in 45 minutes, I went somewhere else. I mean, (laughs) anyway. I think that's such a a great example of how that that feeling you had where you knew you had been somewhere else. And that's really what I'm trying to talk about in the book is, again, not so much those typical dreams. We have those common dreams where we're flying or we're walking through our house and we find a room we didn't know about. These are all common shared dream experiences that many people experience. I'm talking about, in this book, this idea that our soul is going to other places. And so that's that's what I mean when I say astral travel in, in the book where people have reported going to different dimensions. I call it the other side. I also have a section in the book where I talk about this time during my intuitive development where I visited an astral school and we were taught how to work with energy and how to pass on healing energy and how to, how to really work with our light. And I thought that was so unusual. And then I started reading books. Michael Pellinger talks about going to an astral school uh, when he was learning and growing in his in his education life. There's a wonderful book called Breakthrough to Creativity written in the 60s, and she has four whole chapters just on people who experience going to a different astral school. And so wow. I think something's happening there. Well, yeah. and and you mentioned about you had a dream, and in the dream you walked by your friend, you know Samantha, and uh, and then the next day you're talking to Samantha, and she's like, I had a dream, and we were both down at the park, and we walked past each other and waved at each other, and you both had the same dream on the same night. That just reeks of this alternate universe where our souls go, like you say, our souls go. I I would imagine maybe the souls uh, astrally travels to investigate where you might move to or, you know, hook you up with somebody that'll be related to your life purpose. Yeah, there have been a lot of stories um, that have been coming into my email of people who have dreamt of their, their future partner which I I love romantic stories, so I think that's wonderful. I have a section on there. One of the favorite books I read for my research for The Awake Dreamer was Oliver Fox's book on astral travel. And he writes about how when he was in college in England in the 1920s, he and two friends were really into dreams, and he was trying to do lucid dreaming and astral travel. And so they decided that every Friday night they would try to meet in their dreams outside this local pub. So the first time they decided to do it, 
Oliver has this dream and he's standing outside the pub and he's like, oh my gosh, I think I did it. And he looks around and one of the friends is there and he's like, we did it. We did it. And the two of them are in this dream in front of the pub as they agreed to during the day. And the third friend isn't there. And they're like, I wonder where he is. So the next day on Saturday, they, they meet up with the third friend and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I completely forgot. But the two who remembered and consciously intended to have this astral travel dream experience did have that dream and did show up in front of that pub. Wow. It's so wild to think about. I know. <laughs> do, do we need business cards over there? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it just it makes you realize that there's so much we can do. I had a listener send me an email. I talk a lot about the power of prayer on my show and and I just was saying one day, you know, just anytime you intend to send loving energy to someone, it really does help. So she fell asleep that night praying for a friend of hers, and she had a dream that the two of them were talking, and she was hugging her friend and just listening to her just like she would in the day. But the friend lived on the other side of the country, so she couldn't physically be with her and, you know, just give her a hug and tell her everything's going to be all right. But in this dream, she had that opportunity. And the next morning, her friend called her and said, I had the most amazing dream last night where you were just hugging me and telling me everything was going to be okay, and and I think everything is going to be okay. And so not only is that a shared dream experience, but it shows how the power of prayer and sending loving thoughts really does materialize, maybe not on the physical plane as we know it, but it does does have its its effects. So the mechanics of a prayer, I mean, that demonstrates to you the mechanics of a prayer. And so often, you know, the on social media or whatever, oh, hugs and hugs and prayers aren't going to fix this. You know, people bash it as some kind of a, a chicken out way to not deal with reality. But to hear stories like that, I mean, it does make a difference. Uh, it, It really does. You know, this doesn't have anything to do with dreams, but a a listener sent me an email uh, two years ago that has just stayed with me. Again, she was was saying, you always talk about the power of prayer, and and she had a friend, I'll just call her Jane Doe. She had a friend, Jane Doe, who was going through a difficult time, and she was praying for her, and she sent her an email, janedoe at gmail.com, and just said, you know, just wanted to let you know I'm praying for you. Everything's going to be okay. It really does get better. The next morning she wakes up and she gets a response. She had sent the email to Jane Doe 1 at Gmail. So she got one little number wrong. The email right. landed in the inbox of a 16-year-old girl who that night had been considering taking her own life. And then wow. she gets this email from a stranger who says, everything's going to be okay. It really does get better. I'm praying for you. And so wow. the two started an email correspondence, and the the listener shared that she had gone through similar dark thoughts when she was in high school. And so the two really helped each other. And, and last I heard from the listener, they were still in touch, and thankfully the, the girl is much better and, you know, did not act on those on those thoughts. That's that's such a miracle. How could that happen? Well, it kind of shows that. Yeah. Oh, very powerful story. Um, It goes to show that um, the reason of whatever's happening um, might have an ulterior motive or or purpose than what we think it is. Just just like that typo in the email. Um, landed exactly where it needed to land. How many times have you driven up to somebody panhandling on the corner and you've got a few extra bucks of cash in your pocket, but you you evaluate them and go, I, you know, uh, I'm sure they have a sports car around the corner and you talk yourself out of it. And um, what I'm getting at is um, to learn to learn to just tune in and say yes or no. 
Uh, is this it? Yes or no? Until you get a yes, don't worry about a damn thing about what's happening in your life and chill out and relax. And and that's kind of the idea of getting the ego to, to relax and allow the heart and the soul to grab the rudder and, and decide more the direction of your life. I agree with that. I just think something I'm I'm very passionate about is I don't think we can chill out and relax until we validate those those fearful voices in our head. You know, I feel like yeah, yeah. So often we're we're just kind of pushing it down and pushing it down and not not giving recognition to those fears, and that's when I think we have nightmares. You know, because it's got to come Ooh. out somehow. You've got to right. you got to give voice to those worries as much as you can because they're there. They're there for a reason too. Again, Very nice. Just kind of like a friend of me. They're annoying us, but they're, but they're they're showing up for a reason. And so when we learn to listen to the yeses, I think we also have to learn to listen to the noes as well. And it's right. not easy. Because you don't know, is the yes coming from a place of desire or truth? And is the no coming from a place of fear or truth? And and nice. that can be very difficult to navigate. And I, again, I think that's why tuning within and, and whatever way works for you with the meditation or prayer or engaging your dreams, um, it doesn't really matter as long as you choose a method that allows you to go within and, and be still and get in touch with your truth. Right, right. Yeah, what I was referring to talking about chilling out is shutting down the mental dialogue that has no value in your life. In other words, fret and worry yeah. and and how the ego can wring its hands going, I don't know how this is going to turn out. When I mean chill out, it's like shut that narrative down but totally, like a, like I said in the opening, yeah. totally pay attention. So uh, do you get a, a vision of your life? Uh, do you have this ongoing dream? Perhaps, I'm, I don't know what the answer is, uh, the, that shows you possibilities of what's coming down the pike for you? Sometimes I do, and it's never the, the precognitive dreams that I have they they never come when, how I need them. It would be so nice if I could just fall asleep tonight and say, show me what's coming up next month. <laughs> so right. that way. The, the precognitive dreams I have had are always about major, major events. I, I dreamt, you know, right before I got pregnant that I was going to get pregnant. I had a dream that my first child was going to be early and she was early. Uh, so it's always big stuff. Um, I opened the book with the story of the recurring dream I had of someone getting shot in the neck. And I never saw a face in all of these dreams, but I kind of knew because at the time I was married to a police sergeant. And sure enough, just a few months after those dreams started, he was shot in the line of duty in the neck right above his bulletproof vest. But that always actually comforted me knowing that this was part of our destiny, part of our fate, you know. And so I think sometimes when we have precognitive dreams, not only are they usually about big, major events, a health issue, a pregnancy, a a traumatic incident like we experienced in our family, but they also, I think, can remind us that, yeah, most of our life is free will and we get to have a say in what's going to happen but some things in our life are just part of our destiny. They're part of our, our fated plan that we have created before we came to Earth. I think when we learn to braid those different parts of our life together, you know, the, the fated destined parts with the free will parts, that's when we yep. start to really have that that co-creation going on with our right. creator, and, and we can really start to surrender but also accept a change in our cadence. Um, well, you know, an hour can go by pretty fast. I want to make sure the audience knows about your books and any services. Do you do sessions? Are they in person? Are they online? How to get a hold of you? Let us know all about you. 
Well, I'm not doing any sessions or one-on-ones right now because I'm just really focused on, on the writing for right now. I've started my next book, but I do have the two podcasts and I do a lot of teaching. So I have a lot of webinars. Um, if people are interested, I have a class coming up next month on working with psychic tools like psychometry and pendulums. In January, I have a class on manifesting. And February, I have a four-week class called Be Your Own Psychic. And that's where people are partnered up each week with someone from class. We meet on Zoom every Thursday in February. And people are taught how to really embrace their intuition in a safe and supportive, like-minded community. So all of that information can be found on my website, samanthafay.com. And my last name is spelled F-E-Y, like Tina Fey, but no relation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh... Um, how nice, how nice. What a fun episode. Um, I really like your book. I think you've really done a wonderful job with it. And, uh, you're really, I mean, our dreams, our dreams are in a lot of ways so misunderstood and yet such a very powerful aspect of who we are. Do you have any closing thoughts for the audience? Well, I just thank you so much for letting me come on here and, and share some of my stories and introduce people to me and, and, and my work. And I am one of those strange people that I love to hear dream stories. So people can always reach out to me through through the website and they can find the book really anywhere books are found. But, you know, obviously it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble as well. And I am offering signed copies uh, that can be purchased through my website if people like that aspect as well. Well, very nice. Samantha, thank you so much for being our guest tonight. I've really enjoyed the show. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed coming on. Take care. We've been, we've been talking with Samantha Fay, and the topic tonight has been, what are your dreams trying to tell you? Based on her latest book, The Awake Dreamer. A Guide to Lucid Dreaming, Astral Travel, and Mastering the Dreamscape. Wow. So there's new narratives. There's new, um, perhaps, archetypes. The old idea of a hero and the new idea of a hero, I think. Um, And various other, what a warrior is, a spiritual warrior, and and whatnot. There's a whole new dynamic that's coming out. And the reason why these archetypes are being upgraded is based on um, who we are as a soul, who we are as a gigantic persona, a galactic um, um, timeless traveler, so to speak. And the more we come to realize that through listening to shows like this, the more we can kind of wake up and discover that, gigantic persona in us and then learn how to get in harmony with us. Um, that's why I put the percentage of 0.1. If if you can accomplish 0.1% of what you can dream, you'll kick everybody you know's ass because like we've been we've been suffering from ego overdose. The ego's running the show. It's consuming all our consciousness. The inspiration from our heart and our soul ricochets off us like throwing socks into a spinning ceiling fan. Hey, you showed up for yourself. Here you are at the end of the show and you're here. How cool is that? How cool is that? New human living's just getting started. Um, if you want to help support us, uh, subscribe to the newsletter at newhumanliving.com or go online and write reviews about my books, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, that that healing the ego's relationship with the power of your heart and your soul. Citizen King, The New Age of Power, the wisdom of your heart is as the new wisdom. And Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. If you were born and raised in a traditional Western Christian household, you have no idea 
We're to discover the power of God. Where is the power of God? Where is it? Where is it? Point to it. Forgiven sinner, God's last Savior, will help you heal your relationship with God. Time's gone, and here we are. I'm your host, Les Jensen. What a pleasure. So delighted to have Samantha on the show tonight and to have you here with us now. Thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.